<laughs> so 6th September 2020 Sunday 5.37pm Alright Seems like it's good to go See? YouTube mm -hmm. just starts Yeah, automatically That's, that's so weird but yeah, seems fine. Anyway, first things first, what brings you to Latvia? What are your impressions? <clears throat> I started hitchhiking in Norway and um, my journey leads me to Iran. So um, I started on Lofoten Island and traveled through whole Finland. Now my goal was to see all the Baltic states to get into cultural contact to learn about the history. And um, yeah, since I'm traveling through, I want to get to know the Baltic states. Mm -hmm. mm. And impressions? Um, like I used couch surfing and um, I made like my trip here to Riga public. So a girl on couch surfing, she wrote me if um, she can show me a little bit around through the city. So I had a eight hour walk <laughs> through the city. I had been at the harbor, the old town and we're exploring the area. And I really do like it. Like there's a lot of different architecture here, and um, I'm really enjoying it. It's um, a lot of parks, super green. So my first impressions are super good, actually. Yeah. Where are you from, Germany? Um, I used to live um, in a city called Taunusstein. The next city is called Wiesbaden, and then the next city is Frankfurt. All right, Frankfurt, the big one, right? Yeah. The financial center. Yeah. Yeah. Frankfurt am Main, is it called? Yeah, yeah. like the, the big bank city. I would imagine that's more modern than what you could see here. It is more modern. Yeah, it is. It is known yeah, for being a bank city. The Euro European Central Bank is sitting there. and um, But there are also um, a lot of old buildings. Like I could spot a lot of similarities, especially in the old town. Like what I heard that there were like Germans... Um, that were like building the houses there so I could spot a few similarities there mm -hmm. it's not like Riga isn't at all uh, modern as Frankfurt like you can't uh, you can't compare the two cities but mm -hmm. um, for the old buildings I could spot a few similarities I get you mm -hmm. um, you know what first impression of you was you reminded me of you know the rapper Macklemore yeah, yeah, yeah. Some people, some people say that to me. Yeah, yeah. Really? Yeah, maybe it's my haircut. Yeah. I, th I think that's part of it. Yeah. Yeah. It is, it All is. right. So I'm not. So I'm not alone. Yeah, you're not alone. Good. <laughs> uh, I also like to go on uh, thrift shopping. So yeah, yeah. Hmm? I also like uh, thrift shops. Yeah. So yeah, yeah. There are quite a few similarities, I guess. Yeah. What uh, made you go to Norway, and how did you get start in Norway? Mm. Did you fly, fly by plane? Mm, I flew to um, a place called Bordeaux. It's uh, like a bigger, a bigger city um, in the north of Norway. And my best friend, he studied medicine in Czech Republic with Beate. And they engaged now and they work together in the same hospital. Mm. So um, I got free accommodation there and um, I wanted to visit him. Like my usual plans before I made a decision to hitchhike um, from Norway to Iran was going to Australia for work and travel year. And um, yeah, I quit my job. I quit my flat. I prepared everything for going to Australia. And then uh, the crisis came. and uh, Corona? Corona, yeah. 
And uh, so I wasn't able to get to Australia anymore. Ah. And um, I had to figure out a new plan. So I wanted to travel. I didn't have that, I didn't have that much money. So I decided to hitchhike. And um, I have friends that told me a lot about Iran and uh, that it is a super safe country, uh, super nice country with super, super nice people. And um, so I made the decision to hitchhike from Norway to Iran. Except, except if you are an army general. You know, right? Yeah, it's like uh, if you are like from the USA, if you are reporting for BBC, like um, I get to know a guy, uh, he is working for BBC, he was declined to enter mm-hmm. Iran. I think then you may have problems. But um, I also made like it public that I want to visit Iran and like 10 people wrote me, if you visit this town, I want to be your host, I want to take care of you and you can live in my place and all on, that stuff. On so, couchsurfing? Yeah, yeah, for couchsurfing. Oh. Yeah. So it's also popular in Iran. I would imagine, yeah. And um, yeah, the people there seems to really uh, like um, people from the Golden Western. Hmm? I, I don't know why it comes like this, but they want to get uh, to know the culture and how we are living. And um, if they want to know something, I'm eager to help, you know. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. you started in Norway because you had a friend living there? Mm-hmm. In Lofoten. Yeah, and then you just decided, all right, Iran, why not? I planned uh, beforehand, um, before I visited him, I packed all my stuff for the hitchhike journey. So when I got to Boudou for visiting my best friend, we started um, for one and a half weeks for traveling around together. Mm-hmm. We had been in different national parks, we were fishing and doing hiking, all that kind of stuff. And then I had one week for my own because he had to work. So I lived at his place with his girlfriend and um, we were climbing with friends of him in... Uh, Henningswehr, a proper 350 meter climb. It was really, really nice. Mm. And um, yeah, I did some day tours by my own. I was a um, dog sitter and uh, I was cooking food, you know, like doing doing things. And um, yeah, then it uh, started, then the news told me that um, Finland is uh, going to close the borders because um, there were too many cases of covid And uh, they wanted to close the borders on Monday, so I had to start hitchhiking on Friday. Mm. I wanted to start on Monday, but uh, yeah, I started three days earlier, and I wanted to, to see the North Cup. That was like one point I really wanted to see. And um, so I had three days to hitchhike about 1,400 kilometers. Mm. And uh, yeah, this was my first big challenge I had, and uh, but it all worked super good. Like, I'm here now. Had you hitchhiked before? Yeah, I hitchhiked before. Like, with my best friend that I visited, we hitchhiked about 400 kilometers to uh, to the Love Parade. It's like, uh, it used to be... Wait a second, wait a second. you mean you just hitchhiked in Germany? In Germany? Yeah, yeah, oh. yeah. And every now and then I hitchhiked from one village to the other when there was no bus coming or something like this. But uh, this is the first time I'm hitchhiking, like, this huge distances and between countries. What was your job you quit? I was a kindergarten teacher. For real? Yeah. <laughs> Why are you asking for real? Because <laughs> it's, it's usually sort of, sort of the dominion of uh, young uh, women who graduate, uh, at least uh, I think in here, here mm-hmm. who graduate um, university mm-hmm. for, for, I think, pedag- pedagogy mm-hmm. in a sense, right? Yeah. But yeah. I, I don't, I'm not sure how many of them had in mind the actual career mm. of a kindergarten teacher is just a, almost like a not, not necessarily a stepping stone but some, something you just come about 
mm, I think mm, so. Mm. How did you do, come to be a kindergarten teacher? I did a lot of jobs in my life and um, the education to a kindergarten teacher um, is split into two different um, like schools you have to visit and I visited one part of it Okay. and usually you need both of them. Why, why, why two? It's like you need two years. Um, you need two years to prepare for the big pack you have to learn, per right. se, or you have um, the highest school graduation, hmm. and then you can skip the first part and you can oh. do the three years. Interesting. So, so I wasn't done at all, and um, a friend of mine asked me if I want to work at her place, and. Um, At this time, I was like working as a freelancer for like kind of like promotion jobs. Mm. So I was working as Santa Claus uh, in a supermarket mm. uh, store and um, I was uh, working a bunch of kind of jobs like in events for big events, you know, as a, as a host, like uh, getting, putting tickets and organized stuff. Mm. And uh, yeah, and then she asked me if I want to work there and um, I didn't have a lot of money. Like I was in kind of like trouble because it was hard. It was hard for me for getting jobs in the place where I used to live. And then I agreed. And then I worked there for six years. Six years? Yeah. Yeah. That's a lot. Yeah, it's a long time. Yeah. Did it crush your soul? Like the first four years were super, super nice and super awesome. And uh, then I had like new colleagues working with me. And um, for them, it was like there's only one way of right working. All right. And uh, it was like... Which, which was totally different from yours? It was different of mine. It was different of mine. But, you know, I can adapt and I, I could understand like their point of view. But um, yeah, it, it wasn't working as it did before. Mm. And uh, a lot of stress came up and uh, I didn't felt that comfortable as I did before. And um, I think I want to work in a different job now since I quit. I think if you can work as a kindergarten teacher, you can do a bunch of other stuff too. Yeah, that's why that's why I'm curious because it seems to me that you would need a lot of patience. You need a lot of patience, yeah, and you invest your heart, your muscles, your bones. Like a lot of people that are working long in this job, they suffer from back pain. And uh, because of what picking up children, picking up children, yeah, all that kind of stuff. You always have to lower yourself to get uh, on one height with the children if you speak to them. Why? Is it psychological? It's a psychological thing. You don't speak with the children like from top to down. You try to be on one. Sounds a little bit silly if you ask me. Yeah, you are just higher. That's that's the fact. Yeah, but if you are higher, like you it's can not authority, right? It's just yeah, yeah. physical. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a yeah, of course. But if you're higher, you like you are being an authority, like, and if you, you are, are and if you are. you are, yeah, you are, you are, and you have to show them too. But um, if you really want to get into the child hmm. and if you want them to open to yourself you have to get on one height you know but like, does, does it make a difference because they are children they're not so smart they are smart they are smart like Come it, on, man. not intellectual they're not yeah, intellectual I mean. they're, they're not intellectual smart they're like small monkeys right intuitively they just have impulses 
They have impulses, yeah, but um, they they know a lot of stuff. Like they are not intellectual, clever, or smart. Not like this, but uh, they can feel like emotions, and they really get fast what you want from them. Of course, they are communicative. That's, yeah. that's what it's all about. Yeah. Uh, but that's why they don't feel threatened by a person who is higher than them. Usually, yeah. I I um, work together with a guy. His name is Ingo. Hmm. He used to be a pro basketball player. He's from California. Okay. And uh, he played basketball in Limburg then. And uh, he met his wife. And he couldn't uh, like continue his career as a basketball player. Mm-hmm. So he uh, worked as a native speaker in our kindergarten. Like English? English. Uh, he okay. was talking English with the, with the children. And he was like two meter nine. Mm-hmm. So and uh, yeah, it's like... Of course, the height is some kind of authority, but like if, if the children have like problems or like whatever, you try to get down to the same height as them, you know. It's and difficult to, for me to believe that that makes any difference to the, to the small kid. It makes it makes because they don't think in those terms. Because this it, is because this is an intellectual concept, having an authority figure above you physically, right? Because mm. it, because it's sort of it's sort of almost like a primitive theatrical perception of life right that somebody has a power position and so it kind of shows in a physical way right mm. but that's a concept for literally theater it's it's for a, a mm. scenario, guess, guess scenario to actually mm. make make a perceptive uh, uh, frame but on a small child's level they don't see the world as uh, as authority figures and submissives They just see somebody who has some type of knowledge or intuition or not, mm. right? Mm. I see your point. Yeah, I get it. But um, it's also uh, about like, it's intuitive, you know, it's in your mind. You you don't have to learn it. It's not a thing that you have to learn. It's a psychological thing that is set from the beginning on, like not from the beginning on, but uh, at well, some it's point. Def- well, it's definitely observed. Because you feel threatened, like if someone talks to you and uh, he is getting too close and he is like getting through your borders and he is like above you, you feel like threatened and then you maybe won't open as someone is like talking with you on one height. Well, but there's a difference between threatened and just uh, a sense of respect. Yeah. Because you want want even small buggers to respect uh, the Mm. adults, right? Otherwise, it's just mayhem. Yeah, it is. It is. Yeah. It it is uh, also really important that the children have respect, of course, because you don't want mayhem. You want to have things under control. Mm-hmm. And if you say to the kids, now we're all sitting in a circle, then it has to go like five seconds and everyone sits there. Mm-hmm. And if you say everyone cleans up now, you want everyone to clean up. Mm-hmm. So you have to be an authority. But in some kind of uh, situations, you have to uh, yeah be one height with the kids. If you talk about they're frightened, they're like whatever, yeah. So, so 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 they can open to you. Mm. Sounds like you would have a lot of anecdotes. Anecdotes? Yeah. yeah just from those silly conversations with small children. Yeah, yeah. But it's not just silly conversation. Like, um, yeah, it's much more than that. It's much more than that. Uh, and it's not an easy job, I can tell you. It's well, like because they, because they are not your children. They were part of my children, like I said, they were my children. I also said... Well, so of course, for, you were the, responsible for them, but uh, meaning that they are not your close family, right? It's, it's yeah. still other people's yeah. Uh, yeah. children. Yeah. 
so so you have the double responsibility of of taking care of a small human being and also actually not uh, getting into trouble with the parents yeah, yeah. Uh, not in trouble with the parents not in trouble with the boss not in the trouble with your colleagues you have to follow the conception like there's a written conception how you have to work you have to do documentary every day you have to make documentary you have to um it's funny how those people who didn't really come up with these concepts make up their concepts and then they want to basically establish them as as the best practice even though mm -hmm. they never really experienced it uh, as children themselves it's a huge difference between the theoretical uh, between the theory yeah. and the practical like in theory everything sounds so awesome and so good but mm -hmm. uh, like in 90% of the time you can't do it like this yeah uh, it's like this because it's too intellectual and, and too little intuitive yeah yeah I think it is yeah. and like um, of course like rituals are super important for the children to grow up because it gives safety and all that stuff but I think you also have to break rituals and you have to give like children the opportunity to do their own things especially like being creative and all that stuff and um, if, if you have like too much rituals around it um, they can't get out of it to explore themselves you know I don't know about what 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 is what is the best formula for um, develop, developing creativity. I, I definitely agree with the concept of if somebody knows what they want to do, they mm -hmm. should be able to pursue it. But usually, it's the the funny thing is creativity many times comes out in those places where creativity is almost actively uh, discouraged. Mm. Right, because it gives you a reason to uh, to be spiteful, mm. and then you just think of ways how you can actually draw within the lines and still be creative mm. and mm. and have your own style or something. I think there's a lot of different uh, arts of being creative, uh, but the creativity you described is my favorite. Mm -hmm. uh, there's a song of Eddie Vedder. He says, uh, I did know all the rules, but the rules did not know me. Like, mm -hmm. there's always a way, and you can always be creative to find your own way. Yeah. It is like this. But, uh, yeah, I think creativity is really a huge spectrum. And um, if you think about uh, the problems we have now in the world, uh, we need creative solutions. And... Um, I don't know. Do we? Yeah, I think so. Like For what? For COVID? No, not for COVID, um, like uh, for fuel, for oil, like... Uh, it's already there, it's just not implemented. Yeah, 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 it could be. It could yeah, be. yeah, it's, it's, yeah. it's not like there would, would be a lack of patents, mm. right, for alternative fuel sources. It's just that either they were bought up and just held, uh, withdrawn from the market or mm. otherwise. But yeah, it's definitely... The ideas have already established themselves in some form of patents uh, prototypes it's just that yeah once once the market is basically full with uh, gasoline products and oil products it's hard to change right mm. it's a it's a more than a hundred year old industry mm. so i also read that like tesla already had plans for an alternative motor so uh, i think there are a bunch of yeah, things, yeah, because yeah. he was the what? What type of uh, he? He wanted to electrify the world, right? Mm. And he was he was for free energy, the all the that type of things. Yeah, but there's a huge few and oil lobbyism going on. Yeah, and they they are. Well, technically, it it will never cease to exist, right? It's just mm. curious to me how they didn't just 
switched to another industry and made it their point of lobbying, right? Because mm. because they could own the hemp market, for instance. Why yeah. not? And just yeah. make uh, bioplastics, bio mm. right? Mm. It's still plastic, but still the source would be otherwise, and they just rule the plastic market for both ends, right? Mm. Hemp they, and oil. Yeah, they could take everything. Yeah, I see your point. I see your yeah, point. Yeah, because I remember reading in Rockefeller's uh, biography that he um, once he got a, once he established standard oil and um, sort of dominated at least two-thirds of the uh, american market there were several places who basically didn't want standard oil products out of spite because they were almost like a monopoly so mm -hmm. what he did was actually created different brands and just sold uh, to those people under different brands so they didn't know that they were buying from Standard Oil. Mm, I see. Uh, so, I see. yeah, because, you know, a businessman doesn't really care about the brand, right, about the mm. logo. It's just that, yeah, yeah, you're still, you're still buying from me. And mm. that's, that's about it. And so even though those people didn't want to buy from Standard Oil, they were gullible enough to actually buy from Standard Oil because mm. they were just manipulating the market in a, mm. in a comprehensive way. So what you are saying, even if you have like creative people that are like coming up with creative solutions for different kind of problems, you think there is already a market behind it so you can't change things? Well, I think it's mostly related to the creativity having a beneficial impact on already existing mammoths. Because I don't know of any industry that does go down without a fight. Yeah. I don't know. Though. And so really really creative solutions would mean totally disturbing uh, a whole market right mm. which is just it's just nothing nothing beneficial to anybody right because mm -hmm. the oil industry at one point in time was also a disruptive new technology industry right because let's say uh, people used whale oil for for lamps and mm. different mm. things from animal products and then standard oil was named standard oil because they standardized all those things right and made mm. them more cheap more reliable and more affordable right mm -hmm. so all those things were beneficial for people in general it's just that once a company gets so big that it basically organizes the whole or the biggest chunk of the market well people tend to view them as sort of like an a trust right as something as as to be well i don't know i don't know why but they sort of thought by breaking up standard oil they would somehow break up the the grasp of mm. the, of the owners which is just plain old stupid right because mm. they broke broke up standard oil into i think seven companies and so they just basically made them even richer because mm. all those seven companies had more mm. of a value separately mm and uh, yeah of course there were creatives uh, who innovated how to refine uh, better oil products and how to create uh, new uh, new products from the same oil mm. right those were creative solutions but they fit right into the pattern of actually the new industry booming mm. so they use it by themselves for making even more money well i don't know about uh, in inventors and engineers but i mm. think they have the They have the fun of actually just experimenting and trying things and finding mm. something out, irrespective of, of whether or not the things that they experimented on were used to create medicine 
or the atom bomb. Mm. I just think it's just fun to experiment and yeah. engineers like to engineer, right? Yeah. And scientists like to, to, to research. Mm. And then, yeah, somebody has to have a either profit motive or a political motive to actually use them, to actually pay them, right, for their mm. solutions and inventions. Mm. And I think at least half of the inventions that would be useful to society are already there. It's just that nobody has figured out how to make them profitable for a company. Because mm. a company would need some type of intellectual property, some, some exclusivity in distribution, something that allows them to actually scale and make a profit. Mm. Other, otherwise, it's just a good idea, but no execution. Mm. I see. Yeah. yeah. And I also think that like, the lobbies try to hold down like uh, new, uh, expert, no, new things that get developed new because they have like the interest to keep the oil market as it is. I would I would guess a little bit more uh, in depth. I think they want to encourage the research and uh, uh, new inventions, but they also want to own them. Mm. So they decide whether or not to use them and when to use them, mm. right? Because it would be it would be silly to actively try to um, discourage somebody to not look into something, right? Mm. You might as well be interested. Oh yeah, come work for me. Come uh, come work for my research mm. and development. Uh, mm. team right and then you do your your research and do your mine research and yeah if you have a nice idea for alternatives good but my company owns the patent if you do mm. yeah, right? yeah, it's, yeah and one person doesn't have all the resources to do their own uh, research many times so they use the company as a source of money and resources mm. and, the, and mm. the company uses them actually to actually have the property afterwards And to decide whether or not we you, we want to make this a reality or just have it stored somewhere. Yeah, I think there are a lot of uh, things stored. Yeah, for sure. Because because yeah. interestingly enough, many times patents are also related to national security, which wasn't the initial thought of patents. Mm. Initial the, not at all. Not at yeah, all. the additional initial thought was actually to just allow people who have those new inventions to protect themselves against forgeries. Right, but yeah, afterwards, yeah, why not, right? Make, mm. Just make it into law that, no, 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 we we as a government, for instance, we don't have to tell you why, mm. but we think this and this and this should be under our control and we mm. don't release it to the public. Yeah, don't yeah. ask questions, yeah. right? Yeah, it's like this. It's yeah. Like this. And so it's, it's always funny because national security is always related to the economy, always. Yeah. So if, yeah. if some disruptive, let's say, energy solution would come up with a patent, You best believe it would be classified. Yeah, and, yeah of course. And made, of course, and made, yeah. made uh, government property. Yeah, of course, of course. Otherwise, a lot of money would vanish. Oh, money and influence. Money and influence. Because the energy yeah. market, I mean, Germany, mm. for instance, right? Mm. Germany has always the troubles uh, politically with America because yeah. they are so friendly with uh, Russians, mm. right? Because of the Nord Streams, mm. because of Gerhard Schroeder. Mm. Yeah, mm. that dude. Yeah, I think uh, Germany has uh, made some wrong decisions. Like, um, you mean Angola? Hmm? You mean Angola? Uh, I mean, like for the energy topic, um, like we, uh, the politics said, or like the people voted that we should take a step outside of uh, nuclear power. And after, now we are, after and, Fukushima, yeah. Yeah, and now we are buying nuclear power energy from France. 
mm-hmm. and we are buying energy from Norway. Like it doesn't make sense. We don't have green energy at all. Maybe you think you buy green energy, but in the end, it's nuclear power energy most of the time. Uh, well, I think up to a point, right? You mm-hmm. have wind parks. Yeah, some, but I don't think that wind parks is uh, are the solution because there are also a lot of people that are like against wind parks. Like um, they do look hideous. Yeah, they're not so. But you know, people vote against nuclear power, mm-hmm. and they are also against like wind energy. Mm-hmm. It doesn't make sense at all. You know, I think people can't like think two steps forward like what occurs if we vote for this you know what kind of you new still, problems will show yeah, yeah but you still have uh, solar energy water energy right you think it's enough energy to for 80 million people living in germany i think if they would um, plan it correctly probably because right. i think i think most of the economy is wasteful mm. I, th- I, don't, I don't think the economy is efficient at all i think many resources go totally where it's like I would say the same ratio with energy as like in grocery stores with uh, food products that have the expiration date, mm. right? It's not efficient. It's, it's not an efficient system if, let's say, half the products on the shelf have to be uh, thrown out in the, the garbage because their expiration date has come. Mm. It's not an efficient system, mm. but that's the f- most efficient system yet, mm. somehow. Mm. I think just the step was too fast for uh, quitting nuclear power. I think... Um, we should have like better plans beforehand, like what the alternative is to it. Oh, besides, and, and actually, beforehand. actually, besides the the hemp thing, I think hemp yeah. is totally something that could actually make uh, alternative energy a real thing, mm-hmm. because hemp would be used for basically all types of uh, needs, not just fuel, also for food, also for clothes, also for mm. home shelter. Yeah, as an alternative for plastic, yeah. Yeah, same. Yeah. See? So, yeah, Angela should have just made this second step, right? Mm. After Fukushima, we quit at Atom Energy and we start Cannabis Energy. Yeah, I would love that, man. I would See? love that. Yeah, uh, yeah. It is like this, yeah. But they don't dare. I don't know why. Uh, maybe because they are, we have too many old people that are against hemp and they can't see like uh, the well, positive effects. Germany is pretty conservative in general, yeah. right? Yeah, it's it not is. like it's not like uh, Dutch people. Yeah, yeah. So there you go. Yeah. Do do the Netherlands have any energy problems? Uh, I don't know. Yeah, I would imagine because I would imagine the, the Dutch people are the smartest people in uh, Europe. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Why? Because they legalize marijuana. Well, no, because they have those same same values as every European continental society but they have somehow the modern version of the, all those values right it's mm. just modernized up to a, a social political uh, level that's just mm. working it seems everything is efficient over there it seems to be yeah. even though i haven't been there it mm. just seems so mm. like i have been in the netherlands but uh, i couldn't get like political insight in like what they're doing but the people seem to be super happy mm. And um, yeah, if, if you if you go to uh, Netherlands, you see everyone is riding their bicycle. There are not a lot of people driving their cars. You know, it's like I also th- see that they are like one step forward of us uh, in some kind of topics. Because I think the Netherlands is what basically at least half the size of Latvia, but has f- five times the population. Mm-hmm. So they are smarter than us. 
Mm. I mean, that's that's a given, right? And I don't know why it's not already commonplace to just look for best practices and try to implement them just as directly as you could, right? Because there's no need in tinkering something that already works. Mm. It seems to me like it, right? Germany, for instance, probably too big of a country, maybe, because I don't think any Berliners don't have anything in common with Munich people. Not at all. And uh, yeah, but still, I, th I think Germany has those municip municipal autonomies almost, right? They have some type of local governing. Mm. So it's not that bad, I guess, if you have the Autobahn. Yeah, yeah. yeah but the Autobahn, you know, I don't know, like I'm hitchhiking now, I hitchhike now through whole Finland and I really like the roads there too. Like, of course, it, it's no Autobahn, you know, but uh, what is Autobahn? Like, I don't know, we have a lot of construction sites on Autobahn and we mm. have traffic jams like all over the place where I used to live. Like, mm. it's not as efficient as uh, people might think. No, no, I don't think it's efficient, but it's just something that represents at one point in time a really big uh, change and advancement of the whole organization of society economy mm. right and yeah the next step would be probably to just have uh, fast uh, internet everywhere mm. well, no need for uh, a physical autobahn you just need uh, physical communication lines mm. Right? Mm. Germany likes of fast internet hmm? Germany lacks of fast internet and yeah. even and even the telephone service uh, isn't like uh, completely set so uh, often you don't have service at all I was uh, I think 2013 or 2012 in Germany and then yeah then I I really understood that yeah Germany is not uh, the great country I thought it was mm. right because I remember being in Stuttgart and having to pay for every little thing just mm. If here I, I thought yeah it's it's almost commonplace to have free Wi-Fi everywhere right to have optical internet mm. everything then you go there oh you work with Windows XP still right mm, mm. all right <laughs> why not it's like this it's like this yeah and then I found out yeah why that is because of uh, too much prosperity mm. of, of after the Second World War there was no real well political or economic uh, problem so different type of organizations established themselves as almost uh, monopolies and then it's just yeah they they don't want to advance if they don't have any more profit with it right they don't have to compete after mm -hmm. the uh, after the soviet union collapsed latvia started from anew in many mm -hmm. many fields so it it was up for grabs everything everything competed with everything right but in germany no and then i remember somebody telling me that after the European Court of Justice decision that now Germany has started to establish bus lines between cities which, mm. were, which was because so, because I remember but it was against Deutsche Bahn like they, yeah, yeah, they really they really had to make through that uh, the buses are like allowed to uh, yeah, yeah give and, this offer to the people yeah. and so that that was strange sounding to me because you know intercity buses is just so common here mm. right but then yeah because you have different organizations have monopolies mm -hmm. and then yeah everybody suffers from that mm -hmm. no no new innovations no competition like the east of germany uh should have grown faster than the west because it was also occupied by the soviet 
and um, so we had we had to pay like a part of our taxes was for building up the east again mm -hmm. but as you can imagine the money wasn't used for it like you know so uh, this is why a lot of people from the east are angry that they don't have enough money especially for rent like the rent system in, in whole germany uh, seems to be broken what do you mean broken yeah because um, a lot of people invested uh, in the rent system for 40 years and they don't have the outcome that they should get but what is the rent system the rent system is that you like pay the time you work until your retirement and when you're retired um, you get an amount that you invested back Oh, the pension system. The pension system. I thought, yeah. I thought you, you meant... No, uh, not the rent. Not the rent. For flats. Uh, no, no, no. It's the pension system. Oh, yeah. the pension system. But I don't know. Has it ever worked? I don't know. Probably in Norway. Mm, I don't know. Because those pension funds are investing in Latvia, for instance. Oh, okay. Right? Mm -hmm. uh, Norwegian pension funds are definitely one of the biggest uh, investors in the world, mm. economically. Probably mm. after the Arabs and Chinese. Mm. Yeah, they're no joke. Oh, that's crazy. Oh, that's crazy. So, yeah, I didn't know about that. Well, mm. I mean, Norway. Well, Norway is a great example of having a big industry, but benefiting the people, I guess. Because mm. mm. every other, I think every other nation would have just corrupted themselves and you know yeah, started yeah. offshoring money. And they just mm -hmm. uh, basically, I don't know how wealthy Norway, Norway, Norway is, but I have heard Norway is pretty nice. That's what I heard too. Like, um, you know, in Germany, um, oh, the difference between Norway and Germany that I could spot is like that you can almost do everything um, with your phone. Like you can send money to everyone with your phone. If you moved and you have to register in a, in a new village or a new city, you can do everything with phone mm -hmm. and you can forget that in Germany. You have to walk everywhere. You have to sign. You have to be everywhere. You have to go from this place to that place and make everything by yourself. Mm -hmm. Like for me, um, I quit my job and um, I have... Uh, to go now to Germany for one day, so the people, so I, so the, to to some sort of uh, people, to tell them that I'm not able to work now, that I'm leaving Germany, hmm. and I can't do it with phone, saying I already left. I have to go there, be present for one day, tell them that I left, and then I can leave again. It's like, but what if you don't? Then I don't get uh, my payment if I come back. Payment for what? Um, it's like um, I don't have work when I'm back so uh, they pay me some kind of money unemployment like, uh, unemployment yeah they pay me yeah. like 70% of the salary I got yeah and if I don't show up for one day for telling them that I'm leaving then I don't get anything at all yeah well but they do know that you are leaving then that I, that I left already I made everything yeah yeah I made everything up. I went to the city and on my passport, it says that I don't own a flat in Germany anymore. Okay. Like everything is set, but that's not enough for them. I have to come for one day, be present and tell them that I'm not there anymore and tomorrow. And then what? The next day. And, then, and what? then I get my money, my unemployment money. And when do you have to afterwards go come back again? Yeah, yeah, yeah I can come back again. If, no, I, if I come back again, then, then I get my unemployment money. But, it's like, but don't you get your unemployment money every month? Yeah, yeah. So but not now, not now. Now I get nothing at all because I, like, I'm not in Germany. I'm not available for the working market. Uh -huh. But it's, it, 
like um, if I can make it to Australia and I come back to Germany, yeah. I want to have some money when I arrived because I worked for six years and they have to support me to like uh, get a flat again or that kind of stuff yeah. so I can find a place again. But I told me I won't get money if I won't be there for one day to tell them that, I, that I'm going to leave. Is it a specific date? Yeah, it's not a specific date. I just have to go there for one day, be present. Okay. Yeah. But don't you have any electronic signature? No, we have, but uh, it doesn't work with this topic. No, really? And I think with a, with a, if you deal with a lot of other things, it also doesn't work mm -hmm. with electronic signature. Yeah, mm. so the conclusion, too conservative, Germany. Yeah, it is. It is. Too conservative. And uh, I don't think that there is like actually a party you can vote for uh, that is working with the problems we have right now. That's not true. You, I think Germany had the hacker party yeah, or we the had, pirate party. Yeah, yeah, we the have like the party. Partei, but uh, I don't know if they have like uh, the knowledge for like being competitive in economic. Well, if they have any digital skills that they must have. Yeah, but um, I'm not. I'm not sure about that. I'm not sure. Well, but do you see any other better alternatives than the the because the pirate party was always with the, the one thing right that they want to have the 21st century mm. type of government mm. right which mm. means yeah you have some type of IT skills mm. I think they um, have to be part um, in uh, political decisions but I don't think that they are the solution for everything see you are conservative yourself that's the conservative German Germanic okay. Yeah, spirit. Yeah, I don't. Yeah, maybe I'm thinking uh, too uh, perfectionist for like uh, having the the perfect party. The but, uh, yeah, there are no perfect there, parties, there, right? There, there isn't one. Yeah, but there isn't a perfect solution. But I think they they could be a solution for certain topics right now. Yeah. For free Wi-Fi, for internet available everywhere, fast internet which availability, would be, which would be almost like a human right in 2020. No, right. uh, I think it's almost uh, yet it's a human right to have access to internet. Well, it's definitely in the debate because mm. technically you could do without, mm. right? It's not like food or shelter. Yeah, it's not like this. But, but yeah, it's it's pretty damn close in the information mm. society, mm. and yeah, yeah. I think when when you will be finished traveling, you will probably appreciate more uh, Norway and probably be happier than you are that you are still from germany because mm. because I, I, i consider moving to netherlands actually <laughs> really yeah. well that's a that's a better move i'm not i'm mm. not yeah. i'm not uh, criticizing that yeah for sure yeah. Like, i think i think yeah norway uh probably sweden finland the netherlands and then actually i could go with latvia mm. like mm. like the top mm. I'm not into uh, political structures and all that countries. Like I just have small insight, and um, but but I see your points, uh, and uh, yeah, I'm not happy with Germany at all. Too. Wait a second, like, you you went through Estonia, right? Yeah. So how was it there? Like I had been in the old town mm -hmm. mostly, and uh, as of what I heard, there's a shitload of tourism going on there. In Estonia. Yeah, like really? uh, in Tallinn, where I had been. I just visited uh, the capital city. Oh. So, um, yeah, when I had been there, um, 
it was super nice to visit, super nice to see. And I, um, but uh, the Couchsurf host I stayed with, she lived outside mm. of Tallinn. And this was like with those huge buildings with small flats and in, insides. Like this was pretty much Soviet. I, I felt like I, I had been like somewhere in Russia. Uh, Might be. Yeah. So uh, yeah, the outside outside of Tallinn was pretty much fucked up for me. Well, that's that's what the capital cities look like, yeah, yeah. dude. Yeah. yeah. Don't get any false uh, hopes for Riga. Yeah. I mean, yeah. you you've seen the city center, which is yeah middle ages german swedish polish mm. uh govern governments russian governments right mm. and yeah if you go outside of the center in the suburbs you'll just see yeah soviet style mm. building mm. Mm. comrade mm. right mm. that's that's how it went yeah yeah i mean uh, a lot of a lot of those houses were were built for the army and even were built by the army because mm, mm. they needed to build them fast so yeah I see yeah. that's that's how, how they came mm. to be mm-hmm. yeah yeah so yeah but that's the same also in uh, Lithuania when, when you go there mm. mostly mm. but new projects are everywhere so the new yeah. projects are you know just architecturally individual mm. most of the time do you have uh, your specific uh, countries already set up where you will go? I want to see uh, Poland after Lithuania, but uh, after that I have no clue because like I have to go with the flu. And um, I wanted to see Romania, Bulgaria, Turkey, Georgia. I wanted to see. Romanians are the one people I've met who just literally say they have nothing good to say about their country. <laughs> Yeah. The only only people who have met consistently. It's not like just one mm, mm. consistently, which is really, really radical. Mm. Yes, but I want to see um, like the poorer countries for setting up my values new to appreciate what I got in Germany. Very good. So Very good. Uh, this is to like re- recalibrate your senses. Recalibrate the senses, reset the mind, yeah. Very good. Also, why I want to go to Iran. Well, mm. Iran, as far as I'm concerned, is probably, in, in the big cities, probably pretty modern mm. and uh, probably very, very hypocritical because mm. they have to portray some type of, well, church-going society, right? Mm. Whereas uh, on the ground, they are pr- probably just perverts. Mm. Mm. Like what I heard, um, the police and the soldiers are super strict. Like if you hold a hand with a woman and you're not married to her, you go into jail. If you drink alcohol and the police catch you, you go into jail. If you smoke marijuana and they catch you, you go into jail. Like they're super strict. Well, they are officially super strict, but I think that's that's what breeds just underground culture in a big way. Mm. And then you have one generation after the other. And then it's called revolution. Yeah, yeah, I also think so. Yeah, it's just it's just brewing, and I don't know why because I remember seeing those uh, videos uh, from Iran in the I think 1950s, right? Mm. Which looked like America. Mm. Right, it's just just uh, girls with mini skirts mm. going around. Yeah, and just yeah, and once the what I think in the 70s the Ayatollah came into power. Then, then it got uh, weird for more than 50 years now. 
Mm, it's crazy, yeah. Yeah. But I also think if you oppress society, uh, a revolution has to start at some point. Yeah. Which is strange that, I mean, Islam doesn't have a great track record. Say what you will. The people, generally, individually, pretty good, decent mm. people. But as an organized religion, pretty messed up. Don't don't get started with any type of country government, mm, right? Mm. It's not. It's just. It's just. I don't know any one Islamic country that would be prosperous. Mm. The closest might be Turkey, but they are not really that much no, no. Islamic. No, no, they're not that much Islamic. Yeah. Yeah, something doesn't work. Like I, I know a lot of Islamic people, and uh, they have a really liberal um, side of view on the Quran. So um, I really enjoy talking with them about their religion because they are not too strict into it. Mm -hmm. But as you said, if it works together with the government, uh, somehow it gets fucked up and doesn't work at all. Yeah, because yeah, like, I think it's the collective mindset. Because in the Soviet Union, it was almost the same. Right, people kind of knew that that's horse uh, shit, but still they somehow needed to portray some type of so affront, right? Mm. And yeah, it just never goes good. It's mm. just it's just a miracle that uh, the Soviet Union fell so peacefully, without so much uh, trouble, mm. right? But yeah, most of the time it's uh, it's more of uh, yeah chaos, I guess. Mm. Mm. How did uh, Latvia uh, became independent of the uh, Soviet Union? Like it was uh, in the end of 1980, beginning 1990. Well, you could say that it started uh, when the when the Gorbachev introduced the Perestroika movement, right? Of of in the middle of the 80s, of reestablishing and reconstructing uh, Soviet economy. But generally, what happened would be mostly. I guess attributable to Yeltsin because I don't know how but uh, Russia within the Soviet Union became sort of semi-independent which means that they voted for their own parliament mm -hmm. which was uh, a little bit weird right because you had the Soviet government and the Russian government sep uh, separately in 90s and Yeltsin was the president of the Russian Federation simultaneously while Gorbachev was the head of the Communist Party mm -hmm. right so and then yeah once the putsch was started and uh, sort of failed then the Soviet U Union broke down and it started in Moscow right and then it's just uh, all the rest of the uh, Soviet Union countries just basically said the same thing over mm -hmm. and over yeah so we see that you are uh, crumbling down we will uh, secede. Mm. That's mm. about it. Mm. And well, I think they mostly said we regain our independence, right? But it's it's just secession. Mm. Call, call it uh, what you will, but it's basically secession. They just separated by declaring that they are separate. Mm. That's, That's it. Yeah, yeah. And yeah, it was just a. Uh, it, it was just fashionable, in in a sense that yeah, it definitely didn't start in in Latvia. And in, in general, it started in Moscow, and mm -hmm. then the rest of the fifteen Soviet Union countries just in a, in a matter of weeks, basically mm -hmm. just in just declare. All right, yeah, we declare now independence after Russia. We declare mm -hmm. independence after mm -hmm. Russia, and then it was the same in Germany. Like, 
I think in Germany the didn't the wall fell uh, fall in 80, 89? Yeah, and also in 89, yeah. Yeah, but that was uh, two years before we regained independence. Ah, I, th I thought it also started with you <laughs> well, in 89. That's the weird thing, right? Those reforms, because the wall, the falling of the wall was just uh, the cornerstone of a re reform movement, right? Mm. To have not separate uh, societies, to have more of economic freedoms and business uh, opportunities. That was the whole perestroika thing. Right, but mm. then it just got out of hand, right? Because they, because mm. the, in the eighties, the Soviet Union uh, officials thought that they will be keeping still the reins on on the people, but uh, since Americans were pretty influential and uh, in those mm. psychological operations and information operations, I mean they funded those different type of uh, radios and uh, news organizations. And so the, all they controlled the media in such a way that yeah the people wa wanted to actually get free mm. from the Soviet Union. And so mm. yeah, it was basically it, the fall of the Soviet Union in the, in ninety one was was probably ten years in the making. Mm. Probably mm, ten years in the making, and yeah. it was just yeah. yeah, it could have been one day earlier, one day later. Mm. Mm. It's, just, it's just that they decided to start the putsch when Gorbachev was on holiday. Mm. That's mm. about it. Mm. And afterwards, yeah, well, I mean, people still have the same mentality in, in different aspects than in in the Soviet Union. That's that's really troublesome many times. When you see actually the the, the human has potential, right? But they are quite of in, in psychological borders, right, within themselves. They they cannot break out of the mold mm. of mm. the Homo Sovieticus. Yeah. 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 Do you think there's a lot of discrimination going on between uh, Latvian people and Russian? Discrimination? No, no. I think it's mostly related to the fact that Russian ideology and coming from Russia nowadays sort of wants Russian-speaking people to portray as some type of ur-mythical, uh, pure uh, ethnic ethnicity. Which is just strange mm. because they are just a mix of Scandinavians, Asians, uh, Ukrainians, mm. Slavs, right? In different form, forms and factors. But yeah, I think many times uh, when it comes to the former Soviet Union countries, Russia would like to portray Russian-speaking people in those countries as oppressed which is not really true because most of the people who are not Russian speaking have actually the ability to understand Russian, speak Russian and mm. many times they do so in communicating with those Russian speaking people which mm. is quite well it's quite uncommon to have let's say one official language and still two languages on an everyday basis Mm. Right, it's it's really uncommon. Mm. It is, it is. Yeah. And the funny thing is, Russian-speaking people were um, put bringing a claim in the constitutional court because their children have to learn in Latvian, in Latvia, and that that was the, uh, last year. Oh, okay. Yeah. So yeah, it's not you know we we haven't come too far mm. with, with this whole discrimination thing. Mm. Yeah, I think language is uh, part one, yeah, of uh, coming together. 
And uh, if you have uh, two kind of like ethnics living in one country with different languages, it's hard to bring people together. Yeah, yeah, because because uh, they still have the um, same mentality many times that they don't want to learn uh, Latvian. Because mm. imagine if you have if you were let's say living in Latvia in the eighties or seventies, right? Mm. Russian, the only the the official language, everything's Russian. Right, and then all of a sudden, what? No, I have to speak Latvian? No way. Mm. Right, and yeah, yeah you, you definitely would get a little bit sore. Mm. Imagine you, you being, I don't know, 50 years old or, or 40 years old. Now, um, and now, yeah, now your language is not the official language. Yeah, but on the other hand, you don't live in your own country, like. Yeah, but not, not it's not their fault, right? If the, mm. if many times if you would have asked those people they would probably have voted to stay because actually I think what the original referendums in the Soviet Union were that they don't dissolve the Soviet Union but they just have more freedoms within the Soviet Union mm. I think that was the original uh, referendums and then somehow or another they just went into a spiral and then yeah then then nobody all of a sudden wanted to, the soviet union to stand mm. but yeah originally they wanted to have the soviet union still exist yeah and many people would would still probably want the soviet union to exist because mm. they basically say well now it's the european union they tell us what to do and before that it was the soviet union that told mm. us what to do mm. i see yeah but yeah, let's be honest. I mean, the European Union is far, way, way more, oh, let's say, progressive, in a sense. Right? Mm. Th those are better problems mm. than that they used to be. Mm, yeah, better problems. Yeah, you describe it with nice words. Yeah, <laughs> it's like this. Yeah. Mm. So yeah, when you when you will be traveling through uh, Eastern Europe, yep, you will definitely get a sense of well-being about your home country mm, i hope so yeah yeah, mm. yeah yeah it's just that germany on an average level is pretty probably conservative and coming from that also a bit boring because yeah. everything is sort of structured and everything's mm -hmm. bureaucratic mm, super bureaucratic super bureaucratic Cause yeah, I mean, it's like there's this comic of Asterix Nobelix where they have to get a paper A38. I don't know if you know the movie. I know uh, the co comic Asterix yeah, Nobelix. And yeah. they have to run through the whole building to get this paper A38 or whatever. Mm -hmm. And this describes Germany so well. Mm -hmm. Like the bureaucracy is it's crazy. It's crazy. And even though nobody wanted it, they didn't also stop it. Because mm -hmm. it's pretty easy to stop. You just say... Uh, to people if somebody comes up with an idea of having a new form mm. they better show you how to actually delete another instead mm. that's it you just don't create more yeah but you, are, you improve upon what's what's already there yeah you already mm. mentioned this this problem the people in germany they say it worked like this the past 20 30 years why shouldn't we change you know well, don't get me wrong. I think um, Germany will get definitely a bad awakening once uh, Polish people get into their groove more. Because mm -hmm. I think the past 10 years have been great for Poland. For mm -hmm. Because I think Poland is the best mix of Eastern and Western Europe. Mm -hmm. 
you, mm -hmm. you have uh, big countries big commerce and uh, basically I think seven days a week working days because hmm. I remember being in, in uh, I think it was Stuttgart and fe feeling just out of place when some German told me yeah we don't work on Sundays right it's and and the shopping centers don't work on Sundays mm -hmm. it's just you're crazy it's just crazy no it's 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 a holy day yeah yeah holy day it's a holy sunday yeah we call it holy sunday yeah. but still i mean it's mm. great if you can just go outside your house mm. on the sunday and go to a grocery store it's mm. great mm. it's great it works that's what i'm saying mm. yeah we'll have to see what comes yeah i'm also pretty excited to see poland uh, yeah, yeah i mean you will be definitely uh the the more wiser once you once you see poland and romania because mm. i've never i've never been to romania but yeah what i've heard That's is what you heard yeah. nice nice people in general because they have well a tough mentality right it's mm -hmm. it's always i think it's always better to have a tough mentality than to have a, a spoiled mentality when mm. it comes to society because romanians there are not spoiled Right mm. with with nothing mm. for the past I don't know how many uh, years, yeah, but no. uh, but French people, I would say they are spoiled in many ways. They are Germans also many mm. many ways spoiled. Mm. Danish people spoiled. Right, like I would describe myself as a really open-minded German, um, but you showed me that I'm also like uh, in my, somehow caged in my mind when it comes to election. Hmm. Um, but yeah, if I see the people that are really super con conversative in, in Germany, it's really crazy. It's crazy. And they complain about everything. About every little topic, they complain. They have to make huge Facebook posts. It's crazy. They can't, they can't see their own value, what is right and what is wrong and what we have to work on, as you are saying. Hmm. Uh, it's crazy. Well, it's a better, let's say, it's a better way of spending your time than to just uh, watching soap operas. Mm. Right, but it's definitely the most useful time. It's probably a little bit better than watching soap operas, but it's definitely a lot worse than reading a book. Mm. Mm. And or maybe getting getting another job, or, I don't know, mm. qualification, Some, mm. something that actually challenges you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because the challenges is definitely something uh, I wonder about uh, Finnish people, because it seems to me that they are pretty wealthy. But because of the climate, I guess, they are still, in mm. a sense, challenged and they are not, they don't seem spoiled mm. in mm. a way. They seem pretty grounded. Yeah, they, for me, they also seem super grounded. They were complaining about the winter times and that it's rough, mm. especially for trucks driving. So, uh, yeah, they're describing what you're saying because of the weather conditions. But I like mm. the fact that uh, I remember talking to some Finnish people and so they, they were saying, that, yeah, it's pretty normal to have a sauna in your home mm. right? which is I mean in, more, in Central Europe you almost equate the sauna with a spa mm. right but there is just no no it's just something mm. common one guy told me uh, he thinks there are like more saunas than cars in Finland <laughs> yeah might be the case yeah. I don't know about what, what it's like in Sweden or Norway but it must be probably similar, similar right? yeah, yeah. yeah what I can tell is sauna is the only word I knew in Finnish is it's it a like real the, yeah, is the, it a real uh, Finnish word? I think yeah. I think so yeah. 
Really? Because the language was really awkward. Because in, in Norwegian or in Swedish, you can pinpoint some words between English and German, you know. But in Finnish, it's, it's impossible to get words. How did you communicate in English, right? In English, yeah. But yeah. When, I was, when I was reading stuff, you know, you can't guess any word because it's so different. To But nowadays, you don't, re you don't really need it. I mean, I was in uh, Finland, mm. I think, uh, October. Well, basically almost one year mm -hmm. uh, ago. And yeah, we were going through a grocery store and I just popped up my uh, Google Translator mm. with a camera. Mm. And then yeah, ah, yeah, yeah, just I see, yeah, tra trans translates on screen. Yeah, yeah, I see. Yeah, I also tried that once. Uh, yeah. Yeah, it's no problem to get into language. Uh, you can help yourself always. But um, it, it was just uh, one of a kind, you know, it was special for me. I didn't have thought of this, that it's so unique, the language. I don't know if it's unique because it's in the same branch as uh, Estonian and I think Hungarian. Oh, okay. So there are the roots. Well, some, mm. some fish eaters mm. right, originally. Because mm. I think the the Finnish language originated from some seagoers in I don't know how many thousands year, years ago, mm. and mm. so they I don't know how Hungary came into the mix. I really don't. But, really, uh, but Hungary somehow is in the same Uyghur or something along yeah. those lines of uh, mm. of language tree. And oh, besides, you know what theory I have about uh, the German language? Mm. There is no poor Germanic country in the world because of the Germanic language. Oh, okay, Why that's my theory. Yeah, because because the language is the, is the way people think, right? Mm. They structure their thoughts according to their own native language. Mm. And I think the the Germanic languages are innately sort of flexible and rigid. They withstand mm. the test of of any time, and so mm. they allow people to think critically and actually develop new ideas. Mm. Mm. I don't know if I could, you know, pinpoint the direct point in history where it, it starts to be manifested, like like undoubtedly. But mm. I think everybody agrees that the Germanic-speaking countries are pretty successful. Yeah, I, don't, yeah, I, yeah. I couldn't name one unsuccessful uh, mm. Germanic-speaking country, including mm. England. Mm. Yeah, that might be. Huh? Mm. And so that that's why I would actually argue of having Switzerland actually to just rule the world. Mm. In mm. a sense, you know, just exporting their government, mm. have outsourced them, their government. Because I think Switzerland is probably the best of all, right? They combine German, they combine French. Mm. I don't know what the two other were, Italian. Yeah, but uh, Switzerland is also doing their own thing ever since. They want to be neutral ever since, and they want to be by themselves ever since. I yeah, but they are pretty smart people. Super smart people, yeah. And one of the richest countries of the world. Yeah, and I don't think they have any type of natural resources. Not at all. Just human capital. Human capital, yeah. And if they can do it, they could actually... T yeah. And Swiss so, banks, and so, Swiss banks, yeah. So, uh, actually, the, thought, the idea should be to have... Swiss people as kindergarten teachers, yeah, right? That, that would be good. Yeah, that would be good. Yeah. Start. Let's start there. Yeah. If a Swiss person is talking to you eye level, yeah. <laughs> it's already yeah. something. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Other than that, I don't know. 
When will you be in uh, Iran? End of October, beginning of November, I guess. And then what? Um, maybe traveling through Pakistan, hitchhiking through Pakistan. Why? Because uh, Pakistan is uh, they are living now in the most peaceful time since 12 years, as was what I heard. And uh, Pakistan, as what people were telling me, is also super nice. There is just a region on the border to Afghanistan that is critical that you shouldn't visit. Mm. But uh, the other places you can go and. Uh, Yeah, but I'm not sure yet. Like, um, I have still this visa for Australia that expires in April. Uh, I think the 16th of April it expires. And once I activated it, it uh, goes for one year. Mm -hmm. So maybe I'm trying to travel somehow from Iran to Australia. And what was the original idea of you going to Australia? To have a year of work and travel to set my mind free. But why Australia? Because it's easy to get um, the visa. And it's one of a kind. It's uh, you can see things that you never can see in Europe. It's a new continent. Have you been to the zoo? Yeah, I have, but uh, I don't like zoos. Yeah, but I mean, one of a kind. Let's go to the zoo and yeah, but it's see. not. I, I want to see the nature. I want to explore the nature there. I don't think even Australians want to see the nature there. Oh, no, I want. They're to pretty see scared it. of yeah. the nature there. Yeah. I'm not scared of the nature. You think of spiders and scorpions? Everything, and everything, yeah. I'm not, I'm not scared of that. Except uh, when they are really, really lethal. Yeah, but as what I heard is there are not that many animals um, like in the cities or um, on the coasts. You really have to go to the jungle to see venom animals. But isn't Australia just basically three cities and a desert? It's much more than it. It's much more. Yeah. I think it was literally just three cities no, and everything, everything is just uh, space in between. Yeah, like um, like the coasts are pretty urban, like most parts of the coast, especially the east and the southeast coast and also the west coast. And um, But the middle parts of Australia, there is just jungle mm. and you can't, I don't think you can go there like where the Aborigines live. I don't think you can go there mm. for a holiday and have a nice time there. This is the place where I don't want to go to. Mm. Um, but I think in the cities, or there are a lot of farms and it's really urban on the coasts. So you don't see that much venom animals there. So, yeah. so would you hitchhike also there? If it works, yeah. Mm. And if I have fun with hitchhiking. Like I also can buy a car in Pakistan uh, for a few euro and could travel by car. Um, How? To uh, Germany? No, no, no from Pakistan. Mean, from Pakistan to where? Bangladesh, maybe. And then from Bangladesh I take the train or I take the train from Pakistan and travel through India by train. How do you plan those type of trips? When I'm there. I can't, I can't plan them right now. I have to plan them when I'm like close to there. Uh-huh. Because I have to talk to people, I have to get advices and stuff. Yeah. Like, those uh, guys where I stand, the Pakistani guys where I stayed in Helsinki, they told me that you have to pay like three euro for traveling 1,000 kilometer with the train. Mm -hmm. And uh, that's not much at all. And uh, maybe I could hop from city to city, do couch surfing. Yeah, that's one idea. In Pakistan? Mm -hmm. I mean, different... It... 
it's difficult to sell tell if there is some type of interesting thing that a european hasn't been uh wondering about mm. i don't know india might have some some big discoveries but pakistan is basically just india right yeah it's like a mix of iran and india i guess so mm. i guess so so yeah but i'll go with the flow like as i said uh, right now i planned um for staying in vilnius i'm staying there with the mother she was hitchhiking with her three children up to norway four mm. thousand kilometer and i met her on the road like we uh, were hitchhiking in the same car so I will stay at her place for two or three days. Afterwards, I go to Poland, to Warsaw. Mm. Afterwards, to Krakow. And then from Warsaw or Krakow, I plan further. And so the journey continues. Like I can always plan just my next two or three destinations. But it's mostly with hitchhiking? Yeah. yeah. Like I will go to Iran just by hitchhiking. Yeah. But and then from you, Iran, I can... You, you I, could also go by plane if you would like to right not yet because uh, I can't enter the country because there are too many infections right now but uh, crossing the border by car is uh, I guess easier to sneak through or to get through mm -hmm. than uh, taking the plane mm. so will you have internet in Iran I will get myself a sim, sim card in mm -hmm. each uh, Asian country I don't have internet And do you post some some uh, posts on Instagram once yeah. you are in a particular country? Yeah. So right now I did like um, I do a lot of stories, but um, I use Instagram more like for the things I'm seeing. Yeah. And I wanted to use YouTube more for the things I'm feeling. Like then the camera is more pointed towards me. Yeah. But for now I'm super happy with Instagram. Like and I'm like doing pictures of every capital I have been like in most famous places. Yeah. And uh, yeah, I think I will continue like this. Document my journey with Instagram. Sounds good. Sounds good. Mm -hmm. Any other thoughts? How's COVID been for you? I try to think about it as uh, least or as few as I can. Mm -hmm. Because um, I don't know. If I get it, I get it. I go on Caritan for two weeks and then I'm done with it. Mm hmm like uh, I don't bother if I get it like I'm not worried about COVID mm -hmm. for me I'm a young healthy man so if I get it I get it mm -hmm. yeah. do you believe in conspiracies about COVID I think I think things got weird now with the second wave and for me it's a bit weird that on the whole world there's like this second wave coming up right now But I don't believe in conspiracies. It's like, I want to get over with it and don't waste about thinking about it too much. Mm -hmm. But I think it could have a really big impact on us. Like, I don't think that government wouldn't use a crisis to install new security things. So something will happen. But I'm not sure what's going to happen. Like, you mean the cameras? Yeah, cameras, yeah, for measuring distance or I don't know about this RFID chip with the vaccine. I have no clue what comes. Mm -hmm. um, but uh, Would you like it to be that way? Did we have RFID chips? Yeah. To make us feel, feel safer? 
No, I want to be free just by my own. No, no, but you could travel with the chip. It's just that you have a chip. Yeah, if I could travel with a chip, I don't know. I'm not, I'm not sure about it. Um, I want to start worrying about it. What if they start implanting chips for those who want to have unemployment leave? You have to come mm. for one day mm. and mm. we'll just mm. give you a little poke. Mm. And get a RFID chip, you mean? Yeah. Because I'm unemployed? Yeah. Then I would uh, start looking for a job, I guess. No, no, I wouldn't do that. I wouldn't do that. I want to go to Australia like this is my dream. Maybe I would get a RFID chip and I would say, yeah, go screw you. In Australia? Yeah, before in Germany. If I would have to get a RFID chip to get to Australia, yeah. and this would be the last thing to do, I think I would get one. Mm -hmm. I think so. See, yeah. not that bad. Yeah. If if it gets you to Australia, yeah, I think so. Yeah. It's, it's doable. Yeah, I think I think it's just a matter of time until we all have some kind of chip that is readable or whatever. I heard Elon Musk is now trying uh, the Black Mirror. Yeah, this yeah, one. Yeah, yeah. This it's, one this is a tracking yeah. device. Yeah, yeah. It is. It is. Do you know the series Black Mirror? I've heard of it. I've never seen it. Yeah, it's really good. Yeah, it's the spy in our pocket. Uh, it's like um, my parents raised in uh, east of Germany mm -hmm. and um, especially my father was uh, against the government and how things worked mm -hmm. and just before the wall fell a friend of him was demonstrating and they ran into an office and uh, stole all the papers out of it and my father was close to get into prison And uh, the people in the past, they hated spies. Mm. And now we all have a spy in our pocket. Yeah, it's like this. Uh, well, those were the spies who just uh, sold information to some secret police. Mm. Right? But yeah, now it's something commercially. It's commercially, yeah. Which so, is pretty good. Yeah, it is good. Yeah, it also brings uh, advantages. Yeah, it's not just bad. Yeah. Because yeah. I don't know if, let's say... Well, here's the difference, right? You have uh, tracking devices, you have those uh, smartphones in your pocket, but it's better than to be in uh, America than in China. Mm. It's, it's even though you could say uh, China is more controlled, right? Mm, they it's, do it's, face scans and all that stuff. If yeah, you they, enter they definitely. Stores and and you you never know what they are not telling you, right? What mm. they, what they are doing there, right? But in America. You have the sort of freedom to actually criticize the government from head to toe and still just walk around. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's like this. Yeah. No, but nobody's really bothering you. Yeah, we're still free. Also with the spies in our pocket. Yeah, yeah the phone is some kind of RFID chip already. Uh, yeah, that's what I mean, right? Because mm -hmm. you don't have to force something upon people. You just have to make it... a. A, a sort of a convenience yeah and an advantage that you, that you don't want to go without yeah, yeah yeah and it will come like this sooner or later yeah it will it will go i don't know what what will come next because like let's, apple, let's, let's be honest the smartphone is pretty awesome already mm -hmm. yeah like um, the apple watch um now is measuring your heart rate all the time so if you have a heart stroke, you can give your Apple Watch to the doctor yeah. and he can see what went wrong at what kind of time. So mm -hmm. uh, you get a better treatment. Mm -hmm. Yeah, there are a lot of advantages too. Yeah. 
I don't know what would be the be better advantage to have a phone that or watch that tells you when you have a heart attack or some device that actually allows you to prevent a heart attack mm -hmm. right mm -hmm. again it seems if you are buying a watch to pro to see when you will have a heart attack it's probably not the best choice in general you mm -hmm. might you might want to invest that money in a personal trainer or something yeah, like that yeah maybe you should yeah, yeah. Mm. well anyway I just heard Elon Musk is uh, trying to connect the brain with the phone and the Neuralink yeah yeah and he already like did something I don't know what but uh, yeah, yeah well he is thinking about it which means probably in 40 years time something mm. might be happening because mm. Elon Musk is uh, well I'm not saying anything against him but he seems a little kooky when mm. it, when it comes to those things right he he's making predictions that i think 90% of them just don't go at all the way he he's predicting them mm. and uh yeah i'm not into him that much i just uh, read the line well, that he's I've, trying to neuralink i've i've seen him you know, on some youtube videos right mm. and it's just funny how it seems like to, it seems to me that he's a sort of like a marketer more than an entrepreneur he wants to sell ideas and then find those people who actually can uh, execute on them mm. right and it's just yeah up till now as far as i'm i'm concerned tesla is not even his working child because it was already there when he bought into the company mm. right but he definitely got it more more noticeable mm. right and i guess and he also did inventions right he himself yeah not at all okay i think i think he's well, his first company was, I don't know what, but probably something similar to PayPal. And I think his second company mm -hmm. was PayPal. Then that was his payday. Mm -hmm. And afterwards, he bought into um, SpaceX, Tesla, and uh, so some other companies. And yeah, I mean, it's not like he would have invented something. It's just more of he promoted many mm. things better mm. than anybody mm. Mm. which is i mean fair enough yeah. fair enough yeah he's yeah. doing his uh, thing yeah and so yeah now he's i think recognized as the only person who has three billion dollar companies or something like that yeah right yeah. but yeah i don't know i don't know what the revenue model for them is right mm. what what creates a company's net worth it, especially in silicon valley mm. right because mm. I remember there was this, was it not Thanos, but some, something along those lines of, of a company that sort of provided some type of DNA testing or something like that, mm -hmm. right? And the the head, uh, the CEO of, of it was a woman who sort of imitated Steve Jobs. She she was almost also dressed like him, tried mm -hmm. to try to speak like him in, in the presentations. Mm -hmm. And yeah, then afterwards... It, and it was I don't know a thirty billion dollar company something like that right and then I think last or or, or two years ago they found out that it was a total fraud mm. the whole company mm. crazy but yeah she she was uh, she was a billionaire mm. for a time yeah it's crazy crazy times man mm -hmm. all right any final thoughts no I don't think so. I think we talked about a lot of topics. My head is full. <laughs> yeah. Mm. All right. Done. Yeah. Let's finish. And let's see how, how it's going for you in, uh, in two months. 
Yeah. In two months, you should be in uh, mm. Iran. Yeah, hopefully, hopefully, we will see what happens. Uh, looking forward. Did you did you also uh, think of going into Iraq? No, not at all. Not Why? At all. Um, no Germans in Iraq, huh? No Germans in Iraq, and uh, I think uh, there is too much going on inside of the country with rebels and. I don't want to visit Iraq. I don't know if it's so safe as Iran is. Well, then same for Syria, then I guess. Same for Syria, same for Lebanon, same for all those countries. Mm. I think I'm fine with Iran and Pakistan. Okay. So, yeah. All right. Let's finish then. Yeah. Okay. Thanks. Thank you too. I'll press a lot of stops now.